Hey guys, welcome to the Once Upon a Time in Huntsville podcast, hosted by me, Sample Baranaga. In this episode, I talk to each of our guests individually instead of at the same time. Uh, first, I talk to the great Noah Winter about a film that's dear to our hearts. And then the second interview is with uh, Manuel Tapia. Him and I talk a little uh, a little NFL football, and the pigskin, and then um, we talked about his acting career and some of his goals. If you're more interested in that, and skip ahead to that one. But I would say watch both of them. They're really quite good. But uh, before uh, you get onto the show, I just wanted to take note that uh, one of the the greatest, if not the best, uh, stand-up comedy or just comedian of all time, Norm Macdonald, passed away. And um, he was just somebody that um, I never met him and I never worked with him. I always wanted to, but I've just I've seen so much of his stuff over and over and over again. He just made me laugh each and every time. If you're not familiar with his comedy, then you need to go watch his Conan stuff on YouTube. Uh, specifically, the Courtney Thorne Smith one and the moth joke and the and the uh, and the turtle joke. Um, and uh, his stand-up, of course, his podcast. He has an amazing book that he wrote, uh, I think, 2016. That's hilarious. Um, uh, you know, he did a couple films here and there that were really funny. He was just always such a funny and creative guy. The way he tells jokes, uh, no one else is like him. And just saying that's doing a disservice to him. That's how creative he was. Um, but he died um, of cancer. He had it for nine years and held it secret. And uh, or so the Germans would have us believe. <laughs> Just a little reference to his uh one of his ongoing uh weekend update jokes when he was back at SNL. And uh the person who gave him cancer? You guessed it. Frank Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> He was just such a funny, funny guy. Seriously, if you haven't seen his stuff, go watch it. Uh, I'm praying for his friends and family, and uh, I really, I know he, you know, grappled with Christianity. I really hope he believed in the end. And I'm saying that because I'm a Christian and I trust Christ. But uh, please enjoy the show, dude. Right. How have you been? I haven't seen your face since. Uh, I haven't seen your face I, since the premiere, I guess. Of yeah, of that of. The that, premiere of the poster right behind you. Yeah. That's you right there in the glasses. You play Luke Wilson in the movie. It's so crazy how well they CGI'd all, every part of me out of the performance. <laughs> yeah, you play Luke Wilson as Rusty Russell. I think, I think you're going to win the Oscar this year, man. Hey, if, you know, if they can do CGI actors, I can get a CGI Oscar uh did did you i assume maybe we talked about this before actually or maybe i talked to it about someone else uh the uh, cgi in the irishman goes from like really really like amazing to like on the other hand like really really bad have you seen that movie? <laughs> i have and there's people on youtube that did the the deep fakes of de niro's younger self better than like a multi-million dollar studio I read that he was hired, like that guy who did that, and then like did another one. I think he was hired somewhere for like. Uh, it might have been for like Disney. I think he was hired. It blows my mind. The like, as as I'm sure you you and I both do. We we go on those late night YouTube rampages where we start with you know a movie trailer and end up watching like, you know, how <laughs> I don't I don't even know. Like we end up watching like how movie cameras are cleaned with like sponges or something it's just like 
<laughs> but I'm always blown away by like the quality of some of the channels out there that like do like fan made movie trailers or do like the oh yeah deep fakes or even like there's one guy who does like like his wish list for like a certain cast for a certain movie or even if it's a movie that's not being made but he wishes it was made he'll like do the movie and then he'll do like what his dream cast for the film would be and he gives oh. his reasons behind every cast member and it's like he he ends up casting roles better than like roles are casted what, by do perfect. you know what the channel is off the top of your head um, if you don't know I, it now i can always I it. It off the top of my head but if you look up like he did it like he like he was like if i was casting like the the live action version of avatar the last airbender this is who i would cast in each of the roles oh and that's so cool i'm like a big fan so i watched that and it was like incredible choices and um so like can i, I guess know. what he picked off the top of my head okay ang i can't even remember some of the people he i'm chose. just gonna guess anyways ang i bet he said morgan Freeman, right? <laughs> oh, okay I like how we both went the same way. <laughs> um, uh, that's awesome, dude. Uh, so one of the one of the things I did want to last Airbender fan casting or something, it should come up. I need to watch that show. That show's been on my watch list for such a long time. Damn, I know. I'm sorry. And my buddy Josh Peterson, who I have on the podcast, like every time, like I see him, he's like, "Have you have you have you seen it yet? Have you watched it yet?" And I'm just like. I have I have such like a long list like I don't yeah. like I'm never gonna be able to watch like half of like television ever there's too much they need to stop making it for a while <laughs> well, that's, the, that's the tough thing is that um it's just the the, the speed and the frequency that it comes out it's like unless you kind of just stumble into a tv show there's no way unless it's just like you just can't even fight you know the intuition to do it like there's no way that i'm going to get a recommendation and be like okay yes i will go sit down and watch four seasons of a show just at the yeah. drop of a hat it's just like the, 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 the dedication of time is yeah just... no you know what you know what? it's hilarious too when someone's like okay you haven't seen the show okay it's eight seasons you have to go watch it right now the first two to three seasons aren't that good but you need to watch them it's just perfect it's, it's like, like i don't want to watch three like mediocre seasons to get some really good stuff like i don't yeah. know like there's some shows yeah, that come to mind it's three really bland seasons just really build your awareness of the characters because they don't do anything but then they do a lot in the fourth season and you're like wow i'm so glad i did that yeah or like there are some shows where like they were super popular like so big and then like when the finale came and it ended up being like a bomb people were like i can't believe they did this like i know like game of thrones of course was a really big one dexter how i met your mother which i have seen a couple of episodes here and there of that but i've never like sat down and watched it all the way through so like i'm like i want to and dexter sounds like a really cool show are you yeah. familiar with it i caught like a couple episodes of it when i was younger because i had some friends that watched it and like it, it looked really cool and just kind of like it just looked like a like a fun show to watch you know what i mean yeah and i think they're bringing not, not it back fun like, like family friendly or anything like that but no. like fun isn't like it just like all the characters just seemed like they were really you know cool to watch like yeah. they were just really good performances yeah and i think they're bringing it back because like i think a lot of the people were like yeah we ended it in a really bad way so they're bringing it back with michael c hall 
um, I think it was a Showtime show. It was either Showtime or HBO. So maybe if that ends up getting some good talk about it, I'll, I'll go back and check all that out. But there's just too much TV. Like I, for the first time, started watching The Sopranos. Like I've never yeah. seen any of it. And thankfully it's like one of those things that has no, like none of it has ever been spoiled. It's just one of those things I've been able to avoid every single spoiler, like ever. And um, I'm enjoying it right now. I'm still in the first season. But um, all right, is there any TV shows you're watching right now? Um, let's see here. I oh, there is. Well, <laughs> I I am watching one, but it would be kind of a detour from the current conversation. No, no, go ahead. Um, I've been on like, like when I was I don't know about you, but like when I was little, and I've been finding as I get you know somewhat older that I encounter a lot of people who've had the same thing happen, but like. When I was younger, I was like obsessed with like Food Network, <laughs> like Food Network, like, yeah, like Iron Chef America and stuff like that. And like recently, for whatever reason, I've kind of been getting back into like those types of shows. And Gordon Ramsay has a new show out on Disney Plus. And oh, when I say Disney. his name, when I say his name, people crack up. But I think he's really trying to turn over a new leaf in his life, <laughs> and I think he's really trying to rebrand himself. And the show is called Uncharted, and it's on Disney Plus. Oh, cool. And I, one of it's like I'm sure you have like a sort of just like comfort show that like whenever you like you want to watch something but you don't want to put a ton of like you know mental effort into it you just yeah want to, the office like, is there for me I'm like right this, this is like this has become like your version of that this has become my version of it and yeah basically he like goes to you know different countries it's kind of like it's a sort of kind of like classic travel cooking type of show but what's cool is in each country he goes to he visits like this sort of main chef of the moment in that country and that chef is like hello gordon ramsay like welcome to my country i'm gonna go send you on a week-long tour to visit all the people who supply my restaurant with food and seafood and vegetables and mm. you know, whatever it is you're gonna meet all those people and then we're gonna have a cook-off at the end of the week for all my local people and my family and they're gonna decide oh, who cooks man. it better and so it's like it's a really cool That's idea really cool and so he was like in, in like Hawaii and he meets with, you know, this really incredible uh, Hawaiian chef who's like, you know, very up and coming right now. And this chef sends him to go with like his oyster divers and with the people that supply him with like his sweet potatoes and with like the like he goes to visit the cows and he goes to visit like the people that make, you know, like the special chicken that he serves at his restaurant. And then after he gathers all that knowledge, he and this chef have, have the cook off for the locals. That's and so, so cool. It's a really cool concept. And it's just, it's a great way of like seeing a different, you know, side of a country from like a travel show format. So like uh, when they do the contest, like whoever loses, I assume they're executed. So like Gordon Ramsay, he's, he's still alive. So he must, wow. Yeah. I mean, at he's the end of each show, he kind of returns to his true self and just starts <laughs> degrading people and, and attacking people. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, it's funny because, like, I never watched, like, I knew about him, but I never watched all the shows he was known for. He's just, like, the crazy, angry British yeah. man. And so I'm just now kind of being introduced to him through this show. I'm like, he's, like, a really nice guy. Like, he's actually <laughs> a, pretty, he's a pretty, like, personable guy. Um, I, I don't think I've ever, like, watched any of his shows on TV. I've watched, like, clips of them on YouTube. Like, yeah. I think my favorite thing that he does is the um, – I want to say it's like Hotel Nightmare or something. Yeah, because or Hotel Hell or something. 
What was his uh, nightmare or like kitchen? Some Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen, but it was like he goes to uh, hotels that like also serve food and stuff. And um, that one is a lot of fun because you have like both elements of like not only is the food disgusting, but the rooms like are disgusting too. And like the way he just like goes at people, it's great. And you know what the best thing about it about him is like some most of the episodes there's like he's yelling at them and they're like carrying away but i love it when like someone who is like 110 percent wrong but they are going at it like full force like he matches ramsey's yeah. energy those are always the best yeah no i feel like he just he just travels the world in search of someone who can challenge him like he's he's just he's he's like that for those who are listening, there's been a random jump. Uh, Noah uh, was almost kidnapped. We were briefly fought. hacked. We were yes. briefly hacked by Czechoslovakian terrorists. Yes. Uh, I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg is involved in some way. Uh, so, isn't he always? Isn't he always? And Jesse Eisenberg is right there with him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were talking about we were talking Gordon about Ramsey. binging TV shows. I think. <laughs> yeah we, we were talking about gordy Ram- gordon Ram- not gordy i can call him gordy, gordy ramsey he's never gonna listen to this <laughs> um but whenever you talking- said that it's probably gonna happen one day yeah, yeah yeah he's just gonna like go looking through his spotify recommendations and they're gonna pop up he's like hmm two people i have no idea like anything about i'm gonna listen to I'm refreshing <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um uh, that uncharted show actually sounds really fun so i'm gonna have to check that out speaking of like uh, things being shot in beautiful places. I wanted to talk to you most about a movie recommendation that you gave to me, I think last week or a week or two weeks ago that, um, dude, just blew did it me change your life. Did it change your life? Just tell me if it did or not. It did. Like me and my wife sat down, we watched the first hour and then went to bed next day. We watched the rest of it and we were just blown away, man. Like, Cause like we wanted to finish it all the way through, but like we would have done it a disservice by being so tired. So like in a way it was actually kind of nice. We broke it up because we at an hour mark, the character Edmund, have I even said the movie yet? I think you said the title. <laughs> the Count of Monte Cristo. I'll, I'll link it in the description. That way people, people know. Dude, but the 2002 version, I believe uh, yeah. of Count, the Count of Monte Cristo with Jim Caviezel, Guy Pierce is like absolutely fantastic thank you noah for your recommendation it is an honor to share it with another soul because it has <laughs> certainly changed mine dude it is so good like watching it i was like somewhat mad that like no one talks about this movie at all like i had never i've obviously heard of the book most people yeah. have but i did not um and i was maybe there's been a movie another movie version made of it you know back in like uh you know the 40s 50s or 60s i don't know i assume there is somewhere usually that's how it is with most great novels like that yeah but um dude like no one talks about this movie but it has great reviews both on the critic and like user sides uh it did fairly well at the box office and like it's just a really really good film like no one talks about it so like we are here today to um plead with our country (laughs) to watch this movie no i i i do it it puts a smile on my face to hear someone else verbalize thoughts that i've had to keep 
to myself for years because I have no one to discuss this film with. And um, I mean, I don't, I, I guess like the best way I can describe it, and you probably agree, like it's, it's the first movie in a while where it was like, I, I, I lost track that I was watching. I don't know. It's like, how do I explain this? I may not explain this right, but I'll try my best. A lot of movies I watch these days, like I'm aware I'm watching a movie yeah. while, I'm, while I'm receiving the story. Like the way this was made though, obviously I'm aware I'm watching a film, but it just felt so like true to form in how I envision movies should be or movies should kind of just feel and just kind of their scale and just the characters and the adventure and it's like it's like just enough separated from reality to like just feel fascinating but also yes. like ground enough to where you can actually believe that you know maybe somebody actually experienced something like this back in that time but I just like it just felt it's just I just felt refreshed after watching because I'm like that's what a movie should feel like it just it just has so much going for it. I absolutely like agree I think one of the things it does really well is it really takes its time with the main character Edmund who's played by Jim Caviezel like it like it takes an entire hour um to kind of like fully see who this guy is like it takes its time but like it's all interesting yeah, it kind of does something because most movies start out, oh, this character is like really struggling to maybe be a good person or like do this successfully. But this movie is the exact opposite. I'm try I don't want to say too much. I don't want to spoil too much. But he's already like in a really great place in life, and is a really really like honorable guy. And then. I'm sure people are maybe familiar with like most of the story and then all of that stripped away from him. And he becomes like the opposite of that. Yeah. And then like, then you see like, is this guy going to like further ruin himself or is he going to like be able to build himself up again? Yeah. And like, it's so, like Jim Caviezel that like casting choice like, is brilliant because he can do so much with like his eyes and uh, like him just like whispering something is sometimes yeah. more powerful than a shout with him. Like, cause one of my favorite performances of all time is him in the thin red line. Absolutely. Absolutely. Specifically. Like, I think maybe like top five moments, like favorite moments for me in a movie is um, when him and Sean Penn are like, they're like about to go to sleep at night and they're kind of sitting in like this grassy field. And uh, Sean Penn is essentially like being like, I don't, you know, I don't believe in God I don't, because this and this and this. And Jim Caviezel doesn't even say anything. He just smiles at him, like looks up into the sky. And it's like, and then he looks back down at Sean Penn and like, doesn't say anything. It's just like one of those moments where like, like, wow, he packed so much. Yeah. Just like, yeah. like whatever. I don't know. But like, I just love his performance. And Guy Pierce is great too. Oh my gosh. The, the both of them just, they fully just embodied both of the roles and Obviously, you know, it takes place in France and none of them have French accents. Yeah. But they're all so like, and once again, like when you watch this film, you can just tell that they, as a cast, they've just agreed to really just, just commit to this film. Like yeah. there's no like, oh, look, you know, I'm an actor doing, you know, Count of Monte Cristo, which is like, it's not like a new story. It's a very, very well-known story. And I feel like sometimes the actors can maybe be a bit self-conscious and when they try and adapt 
really famous stories like that. Mm -hmm. But watching this, like you would think that this was just like, you know, a new script that somebody put together. Like they're just, they're totally committing to the realism of being part of the story. And I, it's just so cool to watch. And like you said, like Jim Caviezel, it's not like, you know, Shakespearean and like speeches and dramatic, like it's very like understated and realistic performances. Like it takes place in what, like I think the like late 1700s. Yeah. But I could totally believe that all these people were the, the, were the way that they were. Like there wasn't any like theatrical, you know, musings and speeches and like <laughs> monologues. Like it was very realistic, grounded dialogue. And it made it feel so cool to have such a famous and really just big story feel really realistic at the same time. Yeah. And so the, so, so, I mean, a lot of times people tell me, Oh, you need to go watch this movie. You need to go watch this movie. And sometimes it's not that I don't want to watch them, but like, I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, I have, I have better things to watch right now. I'm not, I'm not going to throw that up on the list, but like the way Noah described it to me over the phone, cause we were talking on the phone. I think I just asked what you'd been watching recently. And yeah. like, you essentially told me, you have to watch the Count of Monte Cristo because one, they don't make movies like this anymore. And, and then I think the example you said was like Pirates of the Caribbean. Like it's kind of this like action adventure film, but down to its core, it's all about like, like just a simple theme of like uh, what friendship is or like what revenge can do to your heart. And then like, they take those like simple themes and then they build around it with, you know, great writing and great characters and great casting yeah and like oh it's just so much fun like i i can't, like this is a movie i want to show to people and be like you have to watch this yeah and you're exactly right there just like the writing and the message and i just like i because i feel like in modern times when a movie comes out you can tell if it's on kind of like a festival potentially award-winning track yeah or if it's just a really good entertaining just sit down and have a great time and be just and just just watch a great movie and when i when i kind of described it as they don't make it like this anymore like they used to have these movies like like whether you know i we brought up pirates of the caribbean because it's a sort of modern example but whether it's like you know lawrence of arabia or like yeah there's like some of these like these movies used to come out where they were they felt that they could do big scale but also have really incredible performances they didn't it didn't feel like they had to trade one or the other because nowadays it kind of feels like if your movie's going to be on a festival or award-winning track it's got to be like this kind of very nuanced very intimate storyline and if it's not that then it's like avengers and it's just so big that your mind can't even fathom how large it is and like count of monte cristo like i'm like i could see this winning an award for something but i could also see myself just sitting down to watch this and having a fantastic time yeah and i just and i love that about it and like, so I'm, I'm glad that you got to kind of see that after I, after we had the discussion about it before we watched it. I think, I think again, one of my favorite things, like I've already said about the movie is like, it takes its time with his characters. I think like this movie could even be like an hour longer. Um, and I would still be, really love it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I think yeah. one of the things that would be really cool is if it delved more into like, I don't know if there is like a, another cut out there, but I think it would be really cool to like, show like those two guys growing up together like maybe in like a quick montage so that like and it still works the way they did it in the movie but like it leaves you wanting more in a really good way That's and right. um 
Oh, it was really cool to see Lu- Luis Guzman in the film, too. Yeah, I always like him. He's fantastic. I love his character. He, uh, wow. have you ever, did you ever watch the show Community? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. One of my favorite episodes is when, uh, Abed, Abed is shooting the documentary of Dean Pelton trying to come up with a school commercial. And, uh, since Luis Guzman went to uh, that school, uh, he like calls the dean. He's like, "Hey, hey, can I like be in the commercial?" And he's like, "Oh, Luis Guzman, I love you from." And he doesn't know anything, so like he's snapping. Do you remember he's snapping to Annie? And then she brings him the phone to look at like a film, and he goes, "I love you in IMDb." Yeah, just, like that's one of my favorite moments. He's really funny in that episode too. But um, I think one of the. Sorry, go ahead. And I was just gonna say, you're absolutely right because when he when he popped up on screen. And like, that's the other thing. It's like in a movie that serious, you know, and, and this is just, you know, I feel like you often see him in sort of like comedic roles or sort of, you know, much more lighthearted circumstances. But that just like amazed me even more that a film is, you know, taking itself as seriously as Count of Monte Cristo does, felt, you know, the confidence to put, a, put an actor like him in a role like that. And, you know, there's like this one moment between him and Jim Caviezel where he's, you know, and I don't think this is spoiling any, anything, but he's basically trying to advocate for kind of a part of the Count's character that he's losing sight of, where he's, he's, trying, yes. to, he's, trying, he's trying to basically save him from himself in a way. And in that scene, I was like, my, like, that's a fantastic performance, like, from him and from the both of them. And I, I don't know, there's just so many, for a story as old as it is, the movie felt totally, like, new when I first watched it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it's one when you described it to me, I knew I had to buy a DVD, which I did. Like, cause I, that's gonna be one I rewatch and like I like let people borrow just to say you have to like watch yeah. it. Um, have you watched anything else recently that you you want to talk about? I'm trying to think. Um, I did have to say that in this this kind of goes along the same the same track, but um. I'm sure you you do as well. Like you just go into the deep dive of research after you watch the film. Yeah. And um, so I don't I don't know if you did any research on like this on the the book Count of Monte Cristo or like this sort of what the what the what the, what the reception was when it was first released. Like when the no, book I, I was actually know. first released. And it's funny that we started talking about kind of binge watching TV shows because when I was reading about the release of the original. Uh, book Count of Monte Cristo the way that the person writing the article described it they said it was literally the birth of binge watching tv culture before tv <laughs> existed and they said that when the book came out it was released in in chapters in the in newspapers so it wasn't released oh, as a whole it was released in installments so people would have to buy the newspaper every other day or every other week to get the next chapter of the book and it wasn't some like, you know, oh, like it became famous after his death or they really realized its, its value over time. This thing came out of the newspaper and was literally like, it was like the biggest thing in the world. It was literally like an Avengers movie back in like, the, back in like, you know. That's a great the, way like, to describe, back, describe back, it. Like, like two centuries ago, this was literally it had the same reception as like modern Avengers movies has. People were like yeah. lining up outside of newspaper shops to buy the next edition so that they could see the next chapter of Count of Monte Cristo. That's so and, funny. And I thought that was so, and so that's why I love that when you said that you and your wife watched it in like two different nights, 
you were kind of like unknowingly paying tribute to how it originally yeah. came out. But um, I just, I found that fascinating that that was like basically a sort of pre-modern version of, of like what we're talking about right now with binge watching things. I, that's so funny that you say that because um, right now I'm reading, I'm, uh, I just finished uh, uh, Tarzan of the Apes and right now I'm reading The Return of Tarzan. And um, I was like looking in the back of the book, like looking at all, like it had like a list of all when the original books were published. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but like the first couple Tarzans were released the same way. And I didn't know that's how like they were. I just thought they were released as a book. And it wasn't until like a was couple like years later. Like, yeah. yeah, it wasn't until a couple of years later where it was released in book form. Like that is like so interesting. Like I've never, so that's so funny that we're talking about that right now. Like I just learned that fact about like books, but that's so cool that that happened with that. Cause I'm sure that came out maybe before Tarzan. I'm trying to, cause I'm trying to think when Edgar's Rice Burroughs like lived, they might've been, well. I guess that would have been, I'm trying to think too now. I have a phone. Um, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really good question. While you're looking that up, I was just going to say to the viewers that like one of my initial hesitations when I first came across the film was that sort of unfortunate thing that a lot of, and it's kind of inevitable. It's just like the sort of stigma you get over like old stories, like whether it's, you know, Count of Monte Cristo or like Shakespeare stories or like, you know, Ed, Edgar Allan Poe or like just any of those kind of like scholarly you know, studied stories that you might read like in middle school or high school, like it's always makes me resistant to like watch movie versions of it just because you just kind of build up a sort of like an, an unfortunate kind of resentment for it when you're younger because you're like assigned to you're you're assigned it as reading. Yes. But like yeah. with Hannah Monte Cristo, that was it was the first time I ever and maybe you had the same experience if you ever read it when you were like in school or anything. I have not. I'm I plan on reading it though. It's so it's a very long book and it, it's kind of different than the film, but it is even cool. Like the story in the book is even cooler than the film. And when I say that, I like it was the first book I ever remember reading where when I was reading it, I was like, this is what people must have felt like before TVs came out because it's written. It's literally written like a like a comic book. He's like a superhero. Yeah. When he starts, like you know, getting sort of he starts figuring out how to get his revenge on people that have wronged him. And I just remember reading this in school and like, this is a signed reading, like this is so cool. And, um, and I just find it fascinating that people when it first came out had that same feeling. And clearly there's just something about the story that no matter what generation it comes out in, it just has this sort of essence to it that just makes it just endlessly rewatchable and endlessly, you know, re, remakeable no matter how many times they do it and I, I just find it fascinating that a story that old has kept up its you know its its relevance and it's sort of for better you know for lack of a better word it's like cool factor yeah over like centuries uh um, I'm reading it right now so the original like serialized version of the Count of Monte Cristo came out in 18 they say 1844 1844 to 1846 is when like it was released that's two years of reading like one book in a newspaper that's hilarious and then tarzan of the apes came out in 1912 but i'm also looking on wikipedia there have been i'm just going to count how many films have been made real fast one two three four five six seven eight nine 
10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 as of right now. And then it says uh, to be announced, David S. Goyer will direct a film adaptation of The Count of Monte Cristo. And then there's also several television shows and then even things that are loosely based on it. So I'm excited for that new film then. I, I just, and I, there, you know, there's a, a, a proof of what we're talking about right now. There's just something about it that makes it cool in any generation. And I don't know how yeah. else to, I don't know what other word to use, but like I watched it and I'm like, you know, you would think it'd be some kind of like very, you know, scholarly re- remaking of like a very, you know, old book, but you watch this film and you're like, this is a, this is a badass movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is a yeah. really cool, this is a cool movie. It's just like um, so much fun. Yeah. And like, I love period films too um it's never snobby it's just really well directed it's really well uh 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 uh, directed and the director of the photography did an amazing job it's a really good looking film um yeah i people that are listening to this podcast go watch this film i think you can stream it on amazon prime for like four or five bucks but i i would say this is like a must own because this is like a one you want to rewatch and right after you told me that you had watched it, I randomly turned on like Apple TV and it's on the top movies chart right now. Oh, so you were being serious about that. Yeah. I thought you were joking for some reason. No, no. I literally, I turned on Apple TV and Count of Monte Cristo for whatever reason. I like explain that to me that a movie from 2002 is on the top movies chart on Apple TV right now. I think it's because like there might, there might be like a sale on it and it's like, it's like you can buy it for like a lower price right now. Yeah. I don't know. But like the fact that that happened and, you know, it's next to like, you know, the new Fast and Furious movie and the Spider-Man movies. And then you have Count of Monte Cristo. Count of Monte Cristo. And, but I just, I love that, that clearly, you know, that the author, um, Ale- I, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm not going to pronounce his name right. Cause it's very French. It's like yeah. Alexandre Dumas. Yeah. And um, the fact that like he did, he just tapped into something when he wrote that story that somehow makes it feel new and fresh for every generation. I just think is so cool for anybody that's interested in, in movies or storytelling or just like just history in general, that for some reason, this story seems to constantly be seen as a desirable, you know, thing to, to read and to experience by like every generation. Like when I, when I was reading about that, when it first came out, they said that, the book has never been out of print since it first came out. Oh, wow. And that means the demand for it has never been low enough for any publisher to ever stop printing it to sell. Wow. So I don't know. I'm not going to do the math right now, but, you know, yeah. 1840, 1844 to 2020, Count of Monte Cristo has been printed and sold every year since it came out. That's crazy. Do you think Alexander Dumas is still alive? Because I'd love to meet the guy. <laughs> something tells me he he might have some difficulty doing that maybe they froze him like walt disney you know what i mean if he had that many good stories in his mind i'd freeze the guy dude this really makes me like i don't think i've ever read any of his books i think i read like the three musketeers in like uh the like fourth or fifth grade but like uh, you know how they, they have, like, when you're kids, they have, like, easier books to read, yeah. like, classics? I think I read yeah. that version. Yeah, they got, like, the streamlined version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read a lot of books like that, like, in the third and fourth grade, uh, which I like. So whenever somebody's like, have you read, you know, uh, 
Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I'm just like, yeah. I read the picture book version. <laughs> I'm like, or uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Ten Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've read it. It's the one with the octopus on the cover, and, and there's pictures throughout. And it's yeah. like, what? <laughs> but uh, when, 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 when you, oh wait, I was gonna say when you were watching it, did you? Did you have that same experience? I'm just, I was just curious if like you had a similar experience of like feeling like it, not that it was something new, but that it was, it was a type of movie that you haven't seen in a while. Did like, did you feel that same experience? Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I just felt like I didn't watch like a, just a really fun, but well-written film in such a while. Cause I, I think a lot of movies tend to take themselves maybe uh, a little too seriously. And that's not all movies. I'm not, of course, there are some out there that people are thinking of that are like, Hey, what about this? What about this? But um, it's just really cool to watch like a movie where they go from beautiful location to beautiful location and all the set designing is really cool. It's a large scale, like you're saying, like like Lawrence of Arabia, Lord of the Rings, or um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, I just miss movies uh, that, like, like back in the day, I feel like in the early 2000s, like, um, I feel like a movie or two came out like that, like, almost every year. Yeah. And now I don't, like, I don't know, film, like, the film, how, how movies are these days is kind of interesting to me, because back then, like, you would go see like i remember as a kid being like oh i can't wait to see the next like will smith movie yeah or i can't wait to go see the next you know uh you know nick cage movie yeah, um, yeah. but uh nowadays i feel like it's more which is a good thing more directed more di- director oriented which is like still really cool like i'm just like i can't wait to go to see the new villeneuve movie i can't wait to go see the new christopher nolan movie or the bong joon ho movie or you know uh whatever it might be uh but there because like i don't know if you've noticed this a lot of the big movies now have like everybody in it which is not a problem but it's 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 just very interesting how things used to be definitely Um, and i feel like a lot of newcomers aren't given a big chance a lot of the times like they used to be if that makes sense well would you say that like at the same time like the amount of access to just you know like having access more widespread access to like filmmaking technology and you know online ways to you know share films do you think in a way people are like people that once would not have gotten the same exposure have been getting more exposure no yeah i agree with you on that point but i i are like i mean like specifically like really big budgeted huge like movies i feel like a lot of more you know there's so many indie movies now which is like really great thing and you can see them on big flat big big platforms like a hulu amazon netflix or you know maybe uh you know like our movie like is um and it was an independent film uh but we have two you know we have luke and martin who are at the forefront of the film so people see it and they go oh like, like look at that and it's cool that we got like a bunch like me i like i, I was in most of us were unknowns besides like maybe jake and jacob yeah um so it was but like if our film had been like a hundred million dollar budget i don't know if we would have yeah. you know what i mean yeah like uh, what i guess and maybe you'll agree with this i feel like and i'll just i'll just use kind of like late 90s into early 2000s as an example the kind of trend line has seemed to be you you went from you know early 2000s you had 
multiple large films and the occasional indie film that broke through. Yes, exactly. And now it's multiple fantastic indie films. Yes. You know, like there's so many small, you know, small crude, really just streamlined films that have come out that are just like just incredible films. And now it's so now it's like it used to be multiple big films, a couple breakthrough small films. Now it seems like it's multiple small to medium films. And you're sort of, you know, every once in a while you have your Avengers, you have your, you know, Fast and Furious, you have your, you have your Spider-Mans, you have your, uh, that's a, that's another like Avengers thing, but like you have like, you have the kind of like specific ones sprinkled throughout. And so I feel like it'd be cool if, you know, as the next, you know, phase comes into being, you get a kind of generation of movies, almost like a Count of Monte Cristo, where it's still, you know, maybe that kind of sort of indie sort of art house sort of really kind of like you know visceral vibe but still has that cool sort of blockbuster scale to it yeah i think we just have to go make the movie now you know what i like the way you think let's do it anyone listening please join us we we, we we're building a team we're giving building... us money <laughs> for your talents that too i yes that well that and money Maybe you will not be paid. Maybe your talent is money. <laughs> hey, some people that like it is. <laughs> if um, you have butlers, uh, then you have no excuse not to give us money for our movie. Because <laughs> that's like an overabundance of wealth. What's I do have a question for you about the movie. No. Did you? And you know, if we if we spoil something, then we spoil something. But yeah, you can this movie is twenty years old, so I feel yeah. like we we. If you don't know the story, a lot of people out there do, and it does it doesn't lessen the coolness factor of the film. Yeah. Um, did you find all the ways he kind of went about getting his revenge pretty believable? Because the ways that he goes about it in the book take like years to to pull off. Like, it's like a very, very detailed, drawn out thing. But obviously, you have to kind of move along in a one, yeah. two hour movie. But I'm just curious, without any knowledge of the book, do you, did you feel sort of satisfied by the way he was able to get the sort of upper hand on people that had wronged him? So, uh, like I was saying before, like, uh, this movie leaves me wanting more in a good way. Like, I feel like that's also one of the areas in the final cut, it works really well. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't have minded if it was, like, near the end, like, an extra 30 minutes to show, like, certain, you know, time has passed and he's trying to do this and this. But, like, uh, Aaron can testify to this. When he gets revenge on a certain somebody, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but, um, and he leaves him a gun uh, and to kill himself with because he's going to go to jail for a very long time. And uh, the gun, uh, he tries to kill himself and the gun is empty i thought that was like amazing is that how it happens in the book i can't remember the specific and and i only say that just because i remember vaguely in the book that it was much more drawn out i don't remember the specific things that were or were not in there but it's fascinating you said that because everyone i've shown this movie to like they're already enjoying themselves they're already loving the movie but for some reason and like that's it like that's a moment that you feel like you would only see in some like, you know, crazy like comic book movie, just like yeah. something so just like cinematically perfect. 
it, and it to is. see that in a movie like this and actually have it feel like believable makes it so so cool dude it was like, so yeah, it was so thought. satisfying i get up and i was like yes that's the best <laughs> yeah. move he could have made because like not only does it click and nothing happens but then he like comes up to the carriage yeah, and he's like, like yeah. did you think it was going to be that easy <laughs> and then yeah. the carriage just disappears into the night it's awesome um and then the revenge he gets on like the main guy i think is like amazing because i was like i honestly thought uh spoiler alert i thought edmund was gonna die uh in the sword battle um i thought they both were gonna die yeah um so i was very pleased when like he bested him and like was able to live like a nice life after um, yeah but i just oh and henry cavill is like oh, baby, baby. The little baby henry cavill he's baby, baby superman he's great uh yeah. i didn't know he like i didn't know he started acting so early i know I he was like i know he was like an extra and gladiator but um i didn't know he got like a big role like that so early on in his career like he did a great job and also i love that you mentioned gladiator because i feel like that's another movie to add yes. to the list of like really incredible scale but also really incredible you know well-written performances like yes those are the movies that i feel like we're talking about it's like count of monte cristo and gladiator and just these like i just i want movies like that again <laughs> <laughs> i want them and i love i love what we're getting now i just think that'll be such a cool addition to just movie culture is to have a return to that that just that that scale and that just that epicness factor yes uh i feel like and like not that there haven't been movies that have been made with like huge scale like one that comes to mind is like blade runner where like really any of christopher nolan's films dune looks like it's like gonna be a lot of fun but um i think like even though it's really cool to see so many like big actors in dune i also think at the same time it would be really cool to see like and i'm sure there are some newcomers and some smaller roles maybe but i thought it would be like i think it'd be really cool to kind of if we went back to like here's a bunch of great actors around this like new person. Like you don't see a lot of like big budgeted, big budgeted movies like that. And I could be wrong. Maybe some people are being like this movie and yelling it <laughs> as they listen to it. Yeah. Um, or maybe people have stopped listening because we're talking about a 20 year old film that stars two <laughs> actors that do a lot of uh, just kind of so-so work nowadays. Not them as actors, but not as big movies, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because Guy Pearson and Jim Caviezel are still amazing actors, but I feel like I haven't seen them in anything that's like been as big as that in a while. Yeah. Well, it feels um, like when it feels like when people when they do try and go, you know, quote unquote, big today, they're usually branching off of an already established something. Yeah, like um, you know, like Dune has had a previous film adaptation. Obviously, it has the book series. You know, the new Blade Runner movies. You know, the first one was freaking incredible, but you know, yeah. that once again, that, that was in a different era of filmmaking. Like, my lord, like the 90s, like the mid to late 90s, the amount of original and just masterpiece work that came out during that time just it, it explodes my mind. And not to say that, you know, we don't have masterpieces coming out today, because I think uh, I definitely think some films have come out that are just yeah. stunning. But I guess it's like, like once again, like Blade Runner had that 
that like it wasn't afraid to go that big you know it went it went full scale yeah um, oh, and, and then like it kind of bombed out of the box office, which is like a bummer then, like over time it's like you know the best sci-fi movie you know that everyone everyone that's seen it has just has fallen in love with it i just it's yeah just bad. i don't know i don't there's it's not like a, a black or white or you know like yes or no thing i think it just comes down to you and i just have clearly had a moment with this film and yeah. i just want i just want more movies like it now and we gotta make um, them like i said like we, we just yes yes hello can you hear me hello awesome can you see me i can see you can you see me no what i can i just gotta bring why is this let's move out of the way all right now i can see what's up bud hey what's up dude are you wearing yeah. a Lakers shirt yeah i didn't know you were a lakers fan yes sir let me see i'm trying to figure this out there's a little thing oh okay sweet turn this up now i can hear you better i have the same poster it's on the other side of my wall the tarzan one yeah <laughs> that one's in, is that the original because it says in cinemas 1999 yeah uh, i don't know where aaron found it i think somewhere online but uh yeah she found like one of the original ones they had for like marketing um i probably ebay or something um i see your oscar back there yeah my oscar my dundee mighty orphans this is a dundee all right do you watch the office do you like the office i've watched it but to be honest i've watched it so long ago i mean it's funny but i was i'm not like the big old oh i love office blah 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 you want you want you want some of my sparkling water before we start Uh, just a little bit chill bro you're gonna gonna have technical difficulties on your computer (laughs) just (laughs) just pour it how you been man not good man i can i borrow some cash yeah (laughs) i need you to um western i don't got that much i don't got that much anymore but i mean i can cash (laughs) anymore <laughs> no man, I've been I've been doing pretty well this week. Um I'm trying to think, what is today? Today's Wednesday. Yeah. Uh so halfway through the week, I'm I'm checking along. Uh what about you, man? Good, man. Uh, I finally got my first I want to say now four auditions in a month. Last time I got an audition was a month ago. Nice. So I got four back to back to back to back. To back to back to back to back. And one of them was for my uh short film uh yeah yeah or it's just me and you yeah i'm surprised i haven't got the role yet <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 you're auditioning for the role of uh woodrow luttrell which yeah uh, he's pretty ticked yeah. <laughs> you know i didn't even give him an audition if there's anybody who can play him it's me you know what i'm saying <laughs> uh uh thanks for doing this man on kind of i guess short notice but, of course, uh, man. I ain't doing nothing. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> you, can, you ain't getting nothing going on. <laughs> I'm kidding, bro. I'm always so glad to talk to you. I, I, we talk all the time, but I haven't seen your face in forever. Yeah, I guess the last time you saw my face was at the at the wedding. Yeah. June which, you, which, by the way, people listening, Manny was not invited to. <laughs> he just no, kind of showed. Even, yeah, I even left my mom on her birthday to go to some random guy's wedding. That's true. You did. And I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, like, she probably didn't want you there, but. I mean, she'll have many more to come. It's all good. Yeah, How many, yeah. How many these weddings are there going to be? Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully not more than one. 
<laughs> Dude, I want one of the first things I want to talk to you about is uh, NFL Week One just finished off Monday. Your Hawks beat they beat the Colts, right? Yes, sir. Uh, I want to say twenty-eight to sixteen. Yeah, they put the hurt on them. Um, and people probably know I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan. Uh, <laughs> that's why um, yeah. uh, during uh, during this season, during the fall season, throughout the winter, I you know it seems I'm a little depressed, and that's because um, you know not only that I'm also a Miami Hurricanes fan, but I don't want to get into college football. I want to talk NFL football because that is what um, Manuel Tapia is all about. Um, so. Talk me through what were some of the games you watched. Do you wait? Do you um? Do you bet on any of the games or anything? Are you that into it? Or are you just like? Oh, Usually I do bet. Last year I was betting a lot, a lot of money. I won a lot. I didn't lose that much. I probably lost. I'm not gonna say how much, but I lost four bets. Okay. I feel like I mean, so I won most of the time. It was pretty good. I know my football. But um, week one, bro. Uh, who did I watch? Obviously, I watched the Seahawks and Colts. I watched um games that i can remember right now i watched the cowboys and bucks because it was the first game of uh nfl yeah hey, that was a good game that was a gun down like, i'll say good. i'll you know what uh talking to my younger brother who's also a cowboys fan before the game i thought we were gonna get thrashed so to watch them be at least really competitive like back and yeah. forth i was like you know what even if we lose this game i'm i'm somewhat happy yeah and like as much as i hate the cowboys bro i got so much respect for Dak. Like, I love Dak. Yeah, and as much as I hate the Cowboys, I have a lot of respect for him, too. And uh, and our defense. Our defense had yeah, some y'all. really great turnovers. I love it up, bro. Yeah. Even uh, my team, the Hawks, bro. Especially <laughs> line. Our uh, defensive line has been killing it for the first game. Because yeah. I mean, we haven't been the Legion of Boom in the last eight nine years and has it really um, been that long since I think, well technically it was like 2016 but like you know they're mainly they were in their prime like 2012 2013 because they won 2012 oh, no yeah. 2012 and then they went back to 2013 i think it was year 2013 technically and then 2014 they lost to the patriots because they went back to back that's right yeah and they lost to the patriots on that infamous um goal line throw yeah. Which we don't even have to talk about that. That's been discussed so much. But do you feel like it's going to be a pretty good year for you, see, you Seahawks? Yeah. Man, they, uh, Russell Wilson, bro, he's year 10. He's ready. We got DK Metcalf coming in hot, Tyler Lockett. I feel like Tyler Lockett is going to have like a breakout year. And we got a whole new offensive coordination and all that stuff. So, we're good. And, I, you know, as much as I like Russell Wilson, I don't like seeing you happy. So, I hope they don't even make playoffs this year. Man, the NFC West is tough, man. Look at the the Cardinals. Destroyed yeah, the they whooped the Titans, yeah. The Rams, I mean, they're the Bears, but, I mean, the Rams with Matthew Stafford, like, that was a great game. I also watched that game. And then uh, who else is in our division? 49ers. But they almost lost to the Lions, so. Yeah, they were whooping on them, and then the Lions started uh, – they put on the know, gas yeah. there at the end. I, th- I would love if the Rams uh, went back to the Super Bowl this year just because, like, Matthew Stafford has been like one of the most underrated players. No, no. What? I disagree. Next year they can, but not this year. This year for the Hawks. Oh, for that. <laughs> I'll give you next year, but not this year. I think, or do you have a Super Bowl prediction? Do one with the Hawks and then do one without. All right. So I got Seahawks and in the AFC. I'm probably going to say the way the Steelers played, either Steelers or Bills. 
I feel like okay. one, of those, one of those two on the AFC side, at least. And without the Seahawks, I say on the NFC. Early on, I did say Packers, but the way Aaron Rodgers played, no, thanks for anymore. Okay, people are all saying that, but that happens every single year. They go, you know, like two and six, and then at the, you know, then they put it on, and then they're in the NFC Championship. So I don't, I don't I'm not buying uh, the Packers being a bad team yet, just after Week One. Sorry, oh, yeah, bro. but just I said I'm just mad because I had Aaron Rodgers on my fantasy lineup, and he oof, me nothing. So I'm really disappointed in that. But uh, I don't know, man. I never even thought of anybody, no, no other team in the NFC to make the Super Bowl besides my team. That, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I would say you think, the teams you think the that Bucks I will go back to back. What? You think the Bucks will go back to back? Um, no, I think. Okay, this is my want. This is my want Super Bowl, and then I'll say the one that probably will happen. My want is the Cowboys will play Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship and beat them. And then go to the Super Bowl against, um, I think a Cowboys Bills Super Bowl would be really cool to see. Yeah. Um, just because I, I, you know, we weren't around to see those. Yeah. Back in the day, and for that us to beat them really- one more time would just like that would kill the Bills <laughs> fan base. But uh, the teams I think that will actually play in the Super Bowl, I would probably say uh, Tampa Bay. And then, man, it's hard not to pick the Chiefs. Yeah. Because um, that would be really cool to see a rematch. Did you watch the Browns and Chiefs game? That was a good game. Oh, dude. Uh, you know what? I think the Browns are a really good team. Even though they uh, choked on that game, I feel like yeah. they could make it pretty far into the playoffs this time around. Yeah, now they have everybody back. Miles Garrett, uh, Odell. I think Odell. I think Did he get hurt? No, I don't think he did. He got, he hurt, got last hurt last year, I think, didn't he? I think he got hurt this game. Or maybe something. I don't know. Man, yeah, but, there's uh, been a lot of already like pretty bad injuries throughout the NFL, like just week one. And the fact that they added a game uh, to this year's schedule kind of, I don't know, how do you feel about that? That kind of like caught me yeah. off guard. I was surprised. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to play this uh, for the Seahawks. Our 17th game is the Steelers. So I'm kind of excited about that, Loki. That's going to be a good game. That's going to be a good game. I would love right now. I really like if I do talk sports on my podcast, it's very much um, like really brief and stuff. So I'd love to like have Stephen A. Smith like come into like a third screen and just yeah. watch you two go at each other about the Seahawks. You don't know nothing. <laughs> Dude, I like for the longest time, I convinced myself that him and Skip Bayless uh back when they did first shake the other i convinced myself like oh no they're not like that in real life that's like they're playing like characters yeah and then like i think those people are really like that unfortunately especially uh skip bayless that's lebron's number one fan oh uh oh or skip bayless yeah oh yeah he i don't understand like i'm not like the biggest basketball fan so i really don't care about it but uh like skip bayless like he hates lebron yeah uh, what goals have you set for yourself or what do you envision doing? Like, do you want to, like, do you really want to do like, uh, do you want to be a lead actor? Do you want to do like strong character work? Do you want to like get a TV series? Like where, where do you kind of see be, yourself? I want to be a lead actor, man. I want to be, you know, I want to be like the first like actual Hispanic actor that people know. Cause I mean, in my community, we don't know besides like in the Spanish scene, like in Mexico and like novelas and all that stuff. Yeah. Other people, but like, uh, Mexican American 
is like there's not many much. You have Michael Pena, you have Mario Lopez, who's just mainly yeah. a host. You know what I'm saying? Really, <laughs> yeah. I want to have like a big print. Like when people hear my name, I want them to be like, oh my God, you know? They don't got to be all like Viva Mexico and all that stuff, but you know what I'm saying? No, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, I kind of feel the same way. I just feel like white people aren't represented enough on TV and movies. <laughs> I don't think you can no, say that. No, definitely. okay, like uh, <laughs> you can say that. Can you say, I can say that in the name of comedy. No, but seriously, um, uh, this is totally different. The, your yours is way more important. Uh, but like, uh, it would be really cool to see a lot more. Okay, let me start with this. Why are why are why are redheads being taken out of Hollywood? Hold on, before you start laughing, think about it. We. What do you mean? You have you, and we have Jake. That's okay, wait, mean. hold on. <laughs> Don't ruin my argument until I get it out. Okay, Mary Jane Watson, classically a redhead. Mm-hmm. Who plays her now? Zendaya, which, by the way, she does a great job. Okay, when they did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. April, April, April O'Neil, redhead. They, they did her, they, Megan, they cast Megan Fox. I ain't complaining about that part. I haven't seen those movies I'm sure they're fine. Uh, I had a third point, but I, I don't have one anymore because <laughs> I forgot it. So it's really not that important. Now, I feel like there's enough redheads. We got Amy Adams, Jessica Chastain, Jake, Austin Walker. Is Scarlett Johansson a redhead? Or that's just because of... I don't know if she originally oh, is. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Hedges, he was like on a roll oh, for yeah. a while, and I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, fun fact, I, I, someone thought I was him in, a, in an audition room once. say that again someone thought i was brad pitt i could see that that's awesome dude are there any like superhero roles that like you would love to get your hands on i mean the only one i could think of like for me would be blue beetle blue beetle yeah Yeah. uh that's like a oh it's kind of you know what's really cool about i was about to say that's a deep cut but now a lot of the deep cut superheroes back in the day like really aren't deep cut anymore like yeah. You have like the Guardians of the Galaxy, which kind of broke through. Now you have the Suicide Squad, which is like, yeah, uh, forefront of the, got, like, the, the TV series. I mean, you got Flash, Green Arrow, which are the main ones, but then they have like new series, like uh, like Jake's show, a uh, Star Girl. Yeah, they have the kids of you know the thing Justice League of Society, which is like a whole different branch of heroes. But I mean, yeah. they're still part of the DC universe. So yeah, I mean, I think. Um, I didn't audition for it, but there was auditions for Blue Beetle because they're gonna they're gonna shoot a, a Blue Beetle. Oh, player. really? Yeah, I heard. I don't know if it's still in the works. I mean, I, I think it was just a rumor, maybe. But yeah, so I looked into that. Not look into it, but I looked at it. Are there any like um, like any? Because that's DC. Are there any like Marvel ones you would want to portray? Yeah, uh, Supernova. Just uh, have you ever seen the? Uh, uh, that sounds so familiar. Uh, sorry. Ever- Say again. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, like on Disney, on Disney XD or anything? No, no, I know, I know, I know what you're talking about. Just Drake yeah. Bell voices that Spider-Man, right? Yeah, uh, Supernova was in that. Probably not Spider-Man. anymore, though. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> I know he actually went to Mexico. He's trying to be. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and he still got caught. Yeah. So Josh was like, "I ain't calling you a truther." <laughs> <laughs> That's why he Dang wasn't. <laughs> You think he said that after he was like found yeah, guilty? He gets locked Megan. up. Megan. Megan. <laughs> <Dude. laughs> That's terrible. That's a man's life. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, feel, right I don't feel bad for 
I don't feel bad. No, 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 no. I mean, I do at one, like my Christian side does, but then at the same time, like when you do stuff like that, there's consequences. Yeah. So enough about that talk because you went yeah. <laughs> part. Um, what about you, man? You're always but, the question asker, but now I'm going to um, do For like superheroes I would want to do? Yeah. Dude, uh, so growing up um, at a young age, like the probably like the first comic book movies I saw and really adored were the uh, uh, the Raimi Spider-Mans, like with Tobey Maguire, those. Yeah. Um, so for the longest time, I always wanted to be Spider-Man. I thought that would be so cool. And like, cause like while watching and maybe your actor brain does this too, when you're watching those movies, other kids think I want to be Spider-Man. And yeah. like, my brain was like, I want to be playing Spider-Man. Like I wish I was Tobey Maguire right now. Yeah. And um, like, so I always want to do that. And I remember, did you ever have like those web shooters? Like you yeah, could the real one, the string can, the one with the string. Yeah. Can? Yeah. So I, uh, I don't know why they stopped selling those. Those were so fun. I'm sure. I bet they have some for Tom. No, they're, they're, they're all like, just, they feel a little diss now. It's not. Strange. Oh, that's lame. Yeah. But I, I went to my dad. I begged my dad to take me to Toys R Us back in the day. And he took me and my brother, Cade, and Cade um, has brunette hair. This is important to the story. So we get there, we we get them, we uh, get to the checkout stand, and uh, the, our checkout lady's like, oh, like, uh, do you guys want to be Spider-Man? And me and my brother were like, yeah, we do. And she points at me, and she's like, well, you can't be Spider-Man because you have red hair, but you can be Spider-Man because you have brown hair. And, like, even then I was like, why would you tell a child that? <laughs> like, like that didn't mess me up in any certain way, but I remember having like thought like as a child, like you shouldn't tell a child he can't be yeah. Spider-Man. Damn, bro. But uh, so, anyways, long, long story short, I would love to be. Uh, I would I would love to play Spider-Man. That'd be really cool. Or really like anyone in that universe. I think yeah. that's like my favorite like Marvel. I would love to be Spider-Man, but like you said, I mean, ginger kids can't play Spider-Man, and Mexican kids can't play Spider-Man. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Well, yet. Well, not yet. Yet. You never know. But I feel like I play like I think uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Do you know who that is? Yes. Yeah. I think uh, I think his name's Mario or Miguel. I don't remember his his uh, his real name. But like in the comics, it's either Mario or Miguel. I can't really. Yeah, because that's like the blue suit, right? That kind of like yeah, blue red. red, like from the futuristic one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like I could play him later on. That would be really cool. I I could see as that man. Uh, but like as DC goes, um, I don't know. I think it would be. I don't know who they – I think it's been rumored they've cast a Robin in the new Robert Pattinson Batman, but that would be really cool. I'd love to I'd love to do that just because – How could you be like, sweet Batman? <laughs> 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 but uh, I, would, I would love to play Alfred. Alfred? He's <laughs> a butler. At, no, no, at this age and at this look. Oh, okay. Gotcha. A young, a yeah, young yeah. And just like everything else be normal, but I'm Alfred. Just Alfred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love one of my favorite lines in uh Michael Caine is just like uh his his voice is great, his yeah. Cockney accent. Uh one of my favorite lines is when the elevator in Batman begins when the elevator shaft is like falling down from the explosion, and uh Christian Bell's like, When will you ever give up on me? <laughs> when will you ever give up on me, Alfred? And instead of just being like normal and saying never, never. Michael Caine goes never. <laughs> <laughs> I just love his line delivery so much. He's like never, never. never. So Aaron and I do that all the time. Whenever I'm just like, 
you know, uh, you know, when are we going to do this? You know, or when are we going to go here? I'm just, she goes, never. <laughs> so, I love that one somewhat. I don't know why, but, um, uh, or you can say, ouchie mama. <laughs> Ooh, ouchie mama. <laughs> Dude, I gotta have Levi back on. Uh, that was, that was a really fun episode. That was, that was the most I heard Levi talk and I've had conversations with Levi. Uh, I was like pretty scared beforehand. I think that's like the first time I've ever been nervous to do a podcast. Um, just cause like, you know, he's so quiet and he's so, yeah, uh, he, he can talk. Yeah. He can talk when, uh, and when he's in a certain mood, but like, uh, he did a great job and it was fun to talk to him. And like, he a certain mood. he's always happy. <laughs> I, I mean, when he's really happy. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> um, uh well shoot man uh i kind of wanted this to be a, a a shorter one than usual but um is there anything you want to start? the party never ends that's true well what else I'm you got going on what, what do you what do you do day to day man manuel uh i literally just go to the gym uh, i've been taking acting classes uh it's usually on the weekends but on the meantime i've been reading a lot and i've just been trying like, to uh, the ones with pictures yeah uh dr seuss um Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Dude, uh, those are those Diary of a Wimpy Kid books. No, like legit. There's like 20 of them now. Like, there's so many. Like, I remember the last one I remember was like, I don't know, like a blue one, I think. The last one I read, I so the first one's just Diary of a Wimpy Kid. The second one is Roger Girls. The third, I, I shoot. I, I, I know I read more than three. I read at least like four or five. Like I get Yeah, it. I read like six or seven of them, yeah. And I saw all the movies in theaters. <laughs> like yeah. all three of those in theaters. Dude, one of my favorite scenes from that movie is like whenever they're arguing in, in the school and they're like, don't call me. Don't come to my house. <laughs> yeah. We're done. Yeah, rally. Yeah. Yeah. But dude, they're they're grown. Like obviously, I forget people grow. But you watch that movie and you see how they look now. And you're like, oh crap! But then, yeah, because they're probably older than us, right? A couple years you, older for sure, or me for sure, because you're older than me. You're what, 25? I'm 23, but I'm 20. I know I seem so mature. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I'm a young soul in an old man's body. I mean, I'm a young man in an old man. <laughs> <laughs> you have Benjamin know. Button's disease. <laughs> R.I.P. Robin Williams. That's I miss him. Wait, why did you say Robin Williams? Did he play? Did he play that one movie where he had he had a that button disease? Oh no! No, that was Brad Pitt. <laughs> was it? Yeah, I'm gonna edit that part out just so it sounds so random. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, Robin Williams. 